think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like in Argentina, for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matt look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 280 of Low Limit Football on this 4th of May, 2020. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight we look back on the evolving world of football as leagues get ready to come back to playing and a giant monkey wrench gets thrown into the Bundesliga. We'll talk about that in just a minute, as well as... France canceling their season with special guest Cecilia Lagos will be joining us momentarily. First, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. How did you celebrate the holiday today, my friend? What holiday? It's May the 4th. Oh. <laughs> Just to, to make Jerry Mancini a little mad, May the 4th be with you. <laughs> so That's right. Let's, let's... So I, was, I thought you were saying Cinco de Mayo. I was like, say Cinco de Mayo? Tomorrow. No, it's not. <laughs> tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's Got tomorrow. a tequila ready and all that good stuff, right? What's with all these like holidays on the first days of May? We had the um, they don't celebrate May Day here, no, but um, here. that's there. We have the May the Fourth, then Cinco de Mayo, and yeah. it Mother's Memorial. Day. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, like all these holidays are bunched in together I in know. the first days of May. Well, because the weather's starting to get nice, people want to get out and they want a reason. You know, so that's yeah, what it is. They want to yeah, get... they do. And, and this is not coronavirus related. This is just people want to get out and enjoy themselves. So <laughs> give me a reason to do it. So, you know, although the problem with, as I learned this weekend, as the summer comes, so does the yard work. Uh, and that was awful painful, but hey, it's stuff we just got to get done, right? So, um, but how was your week otherwise, my friend? Yeah, it's been chill. I mean, we um, we definitely enjoyed this conversation that we had with Cecilia that really mm -hmm. uh, gave us a different perspective about the future of these leagues, like what works, what doesn't work, what would seem as the more logical approach in, in trying to solve this this issue of an unsolved league or an unfinished league so yeah that, that was exciting but you know it's, it's it's nice to see that the weather has been doing very well i mean obviously we don't want to go into what's going on with covid and, and everything like that but um there are some promising signs i mean we saw italy restrict uh, ease their restrictions spain as well um even here in connecticut joe i mean we're almost there but we're, we're far from from 
somewhat of a of a normal life. I mean, not uh, not complete normality, which won't be for long for quite a while, Years. but um, at least some extent of normality where a certain amount of people can go out and and do their their daily life in in some fashion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the big day here in Connecticut is May twentieth. Is what they're saying right now. So, yep. hopefully, hopefully we all make it there alive, well, healthy, and um, you know, and try to get back into like you said some semblance of normal life which normal life will not come for i I think at least a year but something semi-normal i would say and speaking of that stuff um want to pass along our best to neil blackman uh great friend of ours great friend of the show from the yanks are coming um who did come down with coronavirus and was hospitalized for it very very seriously um and uh, now he's home recovering with his family. So, so great news there. Susie Schaff, also uh, another friend of the show, came down with coronavirus and um, is also recovering. So, you know, it, it's it's everywhere. It's hitting everyone. It is massively concerning. It doesn't matter if you're young, old, you know, black, white, woman, man. It just it doesn't matter. It's just it's it's indiscriminatory. And for all those that are suffering from it, we hope uh, we hope for nothing but the best. And uh, and we'll maybe we'll one day get back to some semblance of normalcy. So. Let's uh let's get into opening thoughts because obviously you know all our conversations these days revolve around COVID the coronavirus uh, and here we are May eighth uh, we talked about this last week the Bundesliga is going to be one of the first leagues to return to playing um, as early as May eighth and again this is still all contingent upon the German um, government uh, indicating whether it was okay or not. However, what we found out today is that uh, in Germany, up to 10 people in the first two divisions have tested positive for coronavirus as players are starting to return to training. Uh, Three of them at Cologne. Now, it wasn't specified whether it was players, coaches, training staff, doctors, physios, or anything like that, but 10 people who tested positive for the virus here on on two of the major leagues. Rob... um, I think this is a big monkey wrench. I could easily see the the German government say, "Listen, we need to push this off another week or another two weeks." Uh, and 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 really, the Bundesliga having no no ability to decide that fate. I also was listening to radio today, and it sounds like if this does, if let's say they canceled the season in the Bundesliga, you could see eight to ten teams actually go bankrupt because of this. So I think there's a, a financial crisis happening now on, on many of these teams and many of these leagues. There's also much more importantly, a physical or a health uh, crisis that's happening on that. We need to kind of wrap our hands around. I want your thoughts on, on this new news. Uh, do you think it'll postpone the league? Do you think they will move ahead? And, and what does that look like for you and me? Well, that's the thing as well. It's the case of who got it. Um, I think we have also seen some issues of uh, Solomon Col- Solomon Kalu, Kalu, sorry, Solomon Kalu, uh, who was, um, you know, he actually got suspended from Hertha mm-hmm. because of what he was able to do. He took a picture with uh, uh, those and, and not uh, it was his teammates not respecting social distancing. So, yeah, this is really going to be interesting to see what happens because we have seen the test of what happened at Cologne, you know. We did. We do know that there have been vast numbers of tests being made, and that you know, even though it's good that the majority of them have come out great, and you would say positive in the sense that there's nothing wrong to have these tests, and even if there are ten of them, it can cause any of that. Anything like that is a little bit of a concern. I mean, will it influence uh, Angela Merkel's, I guess, decision? Uh, I think it will be Wednesday is when they're essentially going to to confirm whether or not to to go with the original plan or to postpone it. 
a few weeks later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this will. I think it it really will play a big effect on how, um, you know, this league, which essentially is going to go, and and probably at the moment, you know, obviously we have to wait what happens in Spain and 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 Italy, who uh, have resumed training, from what I understand. I think they started resuming training in Spain, and I think Italy is almost there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Germany already started training a few days ago. I think what happens here and what happens in the next few days and weeks will determine if other leagues will end up going the way that Germany is going and trying to have this kind of approach of a league restarting, or we'll go a different approach to what we saw in France, in the Netherlands, in Belgium, um, of leagues just like absolutely just shutting down and awarding a champion just based on merit. Right. And to work backwards off of you, um, Italy is returning. The players are actually all doing this week. Juventus already started testing uh, players as early as Monday, including Aaron Ramsey and other players like Matthias Delic, uh, Gonzalo Higuain, Cristiano Ronaldo are all on their way back to Italy. We also look at... Uh, at the testing that's gone on in Germany so far that, like I said, 10 positive tests amongst the two divisions. Uh, they have tested 1,724 people. This is according to sky news in the first, uh, in, in the first two divisions as of Thursday. So they've really gone extensive in terms of training to try and track down who these, and this is kind of going to be the test of it as to, you know, following who is sick, who is not, who's a carrier and then acting accordingly. Like you also said, Rob, La Liga is also looking to return to training, although no decision has been made yet as to when the league would return or how it would return. I, I know that we were on the uh, Culture Connection podcast with Alex Dono and Jerry Mancini this week, and we talked about how it will look very different. It will be played behind closed doors. I think we're going to see that for a long time. I think we're going to see that maybe even up to the Euros next year. And uh, it, it, it was interesting to see how France has gone to that decision where the government said, no, the season's over, you're done. And now Lyon is looking to possibly uh, file some kind of lawsuit. Also, Amiens, who is going to be relegated from this decision, is looking to block that as well and see if they can get that reversed. So there's still a lot of drama to be played out in France. But the Bundesliga, you're going to have to stay tuned at least to the news for the next few days because, like you said, Rob, Wednesday the German government's going to meet and they're going to make that decision. And that decision will then be passed down to whether, A, they will be able to start full training on the 8th and then returning to play on the 16th, which is aggressive, as, as we've talked about before, or are they going to push that a little longer, or are they going to cancel the season entirely, which would mean many, many different things for many of the different clubs in Germany. So we'll have to tune in and see what happens when that decision is finally made. So, um, Rob, let's close opening thoughts there now, and let's bring in Cecilia Lagos, who was kind enough to join us on the weekend and give us a great interview about what's going on with, with the Dutch League, what's going on with the coronavirus in Europe, and also her experience on covering the Women's World Cup last year, which was, I think, some great insight into the women's game as well. So without further ado, the Cecilia Lagos interview. And joining us now on Low Limit Football, freelance football journalist based in Europe, Cecilia Lagos. Cecilia, welcome to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, Joe. Hey, Roberto. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine. Thank you. I hope you too. Great, great. Thanks. It's great to hear. I want to open uh, the, uh, with a question about France canceling their league, league on for the season. Uh, it's something that I think was unprecedented and kind of unexpected. When Roberto and I talked about it last week, uh, France had set a, a date to come back, and I want to say the date was June 17th off the top of my head. And then this turnaround from the French government saying nothing will be played until August, 
basically canceling the season. I like your thoughts about that because you're based in the Netherlands and we've seen that already happen in the Dutch league. What are your thoughts on, on France being one of the top leagues in Europe uh, making this move so early? I think it was a smart move to do, uh, definitely. Um, I think that what happened with the Netherlands being the first country in Europe and maybe the world to make a final decision on their season, also forced by a government decision, uh, it's it's going to make a ripple waves. I mean, it's it's. I think it's sort of unavoidable because um, as much planning as you do, you will always depend in this coronavirus crisis on the government and their medical scientific uh, teams. The in the case of the Dutch government, it was the um, the outbreak management team, and in the case of France, well, it was the government also, uh, the one who shut down basically not only football, but any sport and any massive event. So if the government says, you know, you cannot really play uh, until September, at least, because we don't know what's going to happen from here five months ahead, and um, what can you do? Uh, playing behind closed doors is not an option either. So it's, you're absolutely tied up. It's it's not possible to plan anything else as much as you want, as much as, as, as the clubs wanted or whatever. And now they only have to decide what's going to happen. Uh, relegation, promotion, um, champion or not, uh, European spots, just, like just like the Netherlands. But as um, as a football authority, like every... A football association in every country is completely uh, depending on the government. They cannot just plan on anything by themselves. And um, as much as it hurts us uh, fans and journalists and everything, if the government says no, it's no, and there's absolutely nothing you can do. So in that sense, well, um, unless you start trying to plan some eSports football league, which is, of course, is not what we want, <laughs> Uh, there's no other way to resolve uh, and to solve, I'm sorry, the, the situation. So that that was it. I, I'm a very, very practical person. So I don't dwell on the problem and, and start like thinking, what if, what if? No, it is what it is. And that's it. You cannot do anything else. But just as France and the Netherlands, also England set up a date now. Uh, Germany wanted to set, up, to set up a date. But the government in all these cases, in all these countries, will have the final word. So we need to still wait and see. You know, it's interesting that you say that, Cecilia, because as you'd mentioned, you know, the Bundesliga is preparing and they already had their plans ready, but it's essentially all dependent, as you had mentioned, based on the government. You know, the same for England, the same for Spain, uh, the same for Italy. You know, they already have their plans um, ready and, and set up in a way. But as you said, you know, it really is um, a matter of, you know, if the government says that you can't do it, then you can't do it. It's that case. So, do you feel that, you know, even though that all these nations are, are preparing to, to come back and, you know, even the clubs are committed to finishing the season, you know, do you think from a realistic standpoint that that could actually happen in the other top leagues in Europe? I don't really know. Um, it's complicated if you, first of all, you need to to curve uh, people in a sense and they need to be really strict about uh, quarantining people because how do you control fans let's say that okay the Premier League is planning like returning in June 
uh, neutral venues and but how do you control fans from going outside the stadium as we saw on the Champions League uh, final games before the the lockdown in Valencia and in Paris that's an, 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 an atomic bomb for for infection how do you control those people from gathering outside a stadium it doesn't matter where when or how and that's one thing and the other thing is that like in the case of the um, the Dutch government, the um, medical and scientific um, uh, outbreak management team said and explained that when an athlete is running, they leave a uh, sort of a cloud of drops with human fluids because, you know, players spit, they blow their noses, they sweat up to 20 meters behind them, uh, depending on the speed they run. And if there's any virus, let's say they are asymptomatic and they are infected and they, those drops contain the virus, you have 21 guys running on the pitch. How are you going to manage that? And, and you know, uh, I think it's, it's really difficult. As, as I said, it's really easy to just plan because, of course, there's also the financial factor. And we understand that the Premier League is, and the Bundesliga in, in, a, in a lesser way, but the Premier League is one of the richest and, and one of the leagues that move uh, more money in the world. So, of course, we understand that they need and want to come back. But um, other than that, it's really difficult to just manage so many things because it's not only about what happens on the pitch. It's also there's also a lot involved about what happens off the pitch and even outside the stadium. And they cannot be responsible. I mean, if they just come back and the government says, okay, let's go. And then there's a massive outbreak again. I think it's really risky and really dangerous. And if it were for me, I would now define the whole situation. No more uncertainty. No more um What if we do this? What if we do that? Uh, no, it's just everything is cancelled and do the same as the Netherlands. Let's be practical and, and try to think ahead instead of um, lingering on what could happen day by day because it, it's a sort of a, a grinding machine. You don't know what's going to happen and every day things can, can change and no... Um, I think it's really difficult. In my opinion, we should be of the idea that we're not ha we're not going to have football anytime soon. You know, Joe, that, that's actually a, a lot of great points that Cecilia brought up about how these players could indeed be infected. And it's just, you know, they have to have a solid plan and execute it, mm -hmm. not guess. But at the same time, you know, these leagues, as we have seen, are very committed about it, as we have seen. But... There, there is that risk that, you know, if one little thing happens, that just puts everything in disarray and, and, and it affects not only what happens to the players that perhaps are uh, asymptomatic to these potential viruses, but also, you know, from a financial standpoint for some of these clubs where, you know, they might face the financial burden if they don't finish the season. Sure. I mean, I mean but you also think about this and I'm, I'm sure there is some semblance of burden in terms of if they try to start the season and then stop it again. Um, that would probably create a bigger disaster, especially um, as Cecilia brought up. And, and Rob, you and I talked about with Alex and uh, Jerry the other day, we, the asymptomatic player and the potential to infect other players where we don't know what's going on. So I think, um, you know, 
to Cecilia's point, I think the best thing to do is to have a solid plan uh, in terms of implementing a solid plan, coming up with that plan, be transparent with that plan and be aggressive with that plan, but then institute it. The, the guessing is what makes things very difficult. And the guessing costs money because people don't know, should they count on this? Should they count on that for funds and financial situations? So when you, when you set a plan forth, a solid plan, but you, you release it and you make it known, then the clubs, the players, they know what is to be expected, whether it is, they will be getting back on the pitch, whether the season is canceled, whether they will play champions league or not. It's about having the plan, removing the uncertainty right now, which, which, We've seen uncertainty in countries dealing with the virus um, really just have things explode. We've seen it here in the United States, Rob. We, we've seen it in Italy. We've seen it in Spain. And then we've seen countries that have been very solid in their in their planning and, and their execution of their planning, countries like South Korea, countries like Portugal, where and even in Germany to an extent, where, where they had a solid plan, they executed that plan meticulously, and and it actually saves money, it saves time, it saves lives. And I think that's going to be a focus here moving forward for these for these countries in general. And then obviously when you focus it down to uh, football on the pitch is what is that plan? How do we execute it? When do we execute it? And how do we do it safe for the players, the fans, the coaches, the trainers, the referees, the stadium attendants, all those people? Because those are the people we have to think of the most. 100%. Now, Cecilia, you know, you being based in the Netherlands, how have the people over there um, reacted to the news of this uh, cancelization of the Eredivisie, and you know what is their plan looking into the future now with the start of a new season? Well, uh, I think that's going to be also um, like the next step. Right now, they are just recovering, so to speak, from the final decision of the KNBB of the Dutch FA. And in general, people here are very practical. Dutch people are very, very down to earth and very practical. They haven't done, they haven't made. Uh, much of a fuss about it, probably more, uh, and it's very understandable, uh, fans of the clubs who were denied their promotion, like uh, Cambuur and the uh, Kravskap. Um, actually, they are going to, uh, they already filed um, a, a lawsuit, and they are having a hearing um, in a week from now. Uh, and then in two more weeks, the judge will make a decision. So we don't know what's going to happen in that sense. But uh, other than that, it's like Utrecht also felt harmed about the decision of the KNBB um, that Feyenoord was granted the um, direct spot for the group stage of the uh, Europa League. But um, yesterday, let's say UEFA said, okay, you know what, when there's a, a cup final that is not played, then the um, position on the league table should be the decider. So Feyenoord was third, um, Utrecht was sixth. So in that case, the lawsuit was totally, you know, um, cancelled in that in, the, in that in that sense. But uh, as I said, um, they are just trying to recover from this final decision. The decision it was only made um, a week ago, and uh, they are just um, dealing now with the reactions and the things that came after the the decision, like these dealings with the. Um, with the second division clubs who wanted the promotion and everything else. So I don't know. Everything is going to be um, decided according or along with the government movements. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult. The only thing that now the clubs are doing, in spite of the cancellation of the season, is just 
going back slowly to trainings. It's like they are getting their players out of their houses and put them in training grounds in groups of one only or maybe in duos, uh, starting to move again and feeling the pitch again and start kicking the ball again. So that's the only thing they are doing right now. And not all of them. So uh, I think they are taking it very slowly with lots of uncertainty, but at least the major uncertainty is done, is fixed. So right now we have lots of months ahead to try to figure out how we're, go- how we're going to deal with this, and that's going to be absolutely um, hand by hand with the government decisions. Now, Cecilia, I wanted to jump in here because I know that um, recently UEFA came down with uh, some type of ruling that for all intents and purposes said that the positions for Champions League in 2021 and Europa League needed to be decided by merit, meaning that they needed to win it on the pitch. Uh, I, I think the the Dutch decision and, and now the French decision kind of go against that a little bit. I, th- I, I think there's going to be or there could potentially be an issue there. I know we've seen Lyon, the Lyon president, uh, complaining about the, the inability now to qualify for Champions League or Europa League because they are in seventh place in the French League. Do you see UEFA changing their stance at all and uh, allowing these these nations you know whether it be the dutch league the french league and if another league or or any of the other leagues cancel allowing them to uh lock their tables in stone and then calculating which teams go from there or do they do they take the bold step to say no you didn't win the championship or you didn't win that position on merit because you didn't complete your season so that you're not allowed in the champions league would wafa actually go that drastic with a, a decision well uefa actually um came up with guidelines for that situation. Because if the government says you cannot play until September, neither uh, behind closed doors, what can you do? There's no other option than canceling the season. There's really no option. There's no possibility to play on the pitch and define those places and everything, uh, those spots on the pitch. So UEFA came up with these guidelines. Uh, actually, just to, to make a brief uh, time, uh, timeline of, of events, uh, the Dutch government uh, announced this lockdown on uh, massive events um, last week, like 10 days ago, around Tuesday or Wednesday. No, it was Tuesday. So the Dutch face said that um, in the wake of this decision, they are going to consult with UEFA because of, you had, because of what you had said. Mm-hmm. And then UEFA had uh, an exco meeting on Thursday. And the Dutch FA was going to have this club meeting to decide what was going to happen with the season on Friday. So they consulted with UEFA. UEFA came up uh, at the EXCO meeting with these guidelines. And they were very, very clear about a couple of things. You can, I mean, first of all, we um, ask you to make all the efforts. I mean, really, really make the final effort to try to finish the league, finish the season. But if you cannot do it, you are only allowed to cancel your season if the government decision affects you. In this case, you know, the Dutch league and the French league um, apply to that guideline. And then they said, and then you, of course, if you cannot play in the pitch to win your, your European spot, then the uh, clubs and the association must decide based on uh, sports merit. But if you cannot play, then you should either 
try to come up with a system of your own, but it has to be non-discriminating, transparent, clear, uh, that the, the public won't doubt about the good intention of your system to um, decide your European spots, or just play it simple and uh, do it based on the final position in the league table at the time of cancelling the season. And that was it. And that, that's written. If you go to the UFA uh, website, it's, it's there. So that made things really easy, and it was a relief for countries with leagues in, I mean, with, for leagues in countries like the Netherlands and France, where the government basically decided for them, you cannot play, not until September and not behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. So based on that, I mean, UEFA decided they cannot go against those countries because there's nothing to do. What can they do? Right. You know, the only thing they could do against those countries and those clubs from these countries is, is it's if they decide those spots not following their guidelines, their express guidelines. Um, if their system to point to appoint these European spots is not transparent, is not non-discriminatory, and the public starts saying or the press starts saying that it's not transparent and that it should be done again, whatever, then of course UEFA is going to intervene. But if you just comply with those guidelines, there's no problem really. So I I want to close out the discussion of, of, of really the sad times and really talk about something a little happier. Uh, you had the pleasure of covering the Chilean national team, uh, the women's national team, for the 2019 FIFA World Cup, Women's World Cup. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about your experience of covering the team and also... Um, really their star player, which was, uh, uh, if I remember correctly, her name, Christiante Edler, who was the goalkeeper, was one of the stars of the tournament, in my opinion. What was your experience like covering the team, and what is the future for the Chilean women's national team? Well, yeah, that's definitely happier. Eh? <laughs> I can believe it's almost a year ago a year, already. Um, yeah, it's it's tremendous. I think it was probably the most important um uh, assignment of my career, experience in my career. I mean, you cannot have it bigger than a World Cup. Uh, and and the World Cup, the Women's World Cup in, in France was beautiful, was so beautiful. And my experience of working as a FIFA team reporter following the Chilean team as a part of the delegation, uh, it was um, just marvelous, especially because it was the very first adult World Cup for the women's um, Chilean national team. So, of course, it was unbelievable and unforgettable. It was the first time for these uh, girls and women who have fought so hard to try to make football their careers, and they cannot be professionals in Chile only now in the last months. they uh, The clubs are starting to make professional contracts, but of course there's nothing comparable to what the men's have, and uh, they have struggled so much. So it was such a big prize and deserved prize for them, and I was so honored to witness that from within. So it was by far, yeah, the most beautiful and the, the biggest honor, the highest honor in my career. And um, as you said, Christiane Endler, yeah, definitely. She's, to me, the best uh, women's goalkeeper in the world. Absolutely. Uh, there's, I don't think there's a lot of discussion about that. The only thing is that because, I mean, she is in a level that is like, I don't know, hundreds of uh, steps 
higher than the rest of, of her team. So um, that's why she cannot uh, shine more. But still, I mean, she only played three games and the whole world was absolutely in awe with her. Mm-hmm. So she's our biggest pride. Now, obviously, the coronavirus has, has hampered this, uh, unfortunately. But the like you had said, women were starting to get contracts. There were clubs that were uh, in Europe that were starting to make women's teams and, and competing women's. Uh, there was Women's Champions League, all of these things. Um, how how much of a setback will this coronavirus uh, pandemic, you know, cause for the women's game? And do you think they can rebound quickly from it? I think that we should rebound quickly uh, from from this. And I say we because I feel really involved uh, in this in all this process. Also, I mean, it's like women. We we are the weakest link. And also as a as, as journalists. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, as women in sports, uh, as female sports journalists, we are always the, the weakest link, the ones uh, most easily um, getting rid of, you know, because you're a woman, you're a woman, so, you know, it's, it's, you're the weakest link in a team. Uh, the same at an institution or a club. Their uh, women's uh, team uh, are usually more of a nuisance than an asset for clubs. They do most of the times they open a team uh, and they start with women's football only because of the pressure they feel now to do it. Mm-hmm. So in that case, I definitely think that, yeah, it's it's quite a, a the coronavirus crisis. It's due the cause of, um, does the, the cause of women's football harm, definitely. But I don't think it's been as brutal as we could have thought it would be so in that sense i think um the problem is that if this keeps going what's going to happen fortunately uh, let's say in germany things are going well the team have not suffered but let's say in a country like chile uh, yeah um some players have this really few that have professional contracts had to take cuts in their salary uh, naturally, and um, along with the men's team, of course, and and yes, um, we haven't seen a lot about women's football coverage either. Like to see how they are doing, how they are struggling with this crisis. It's only about the men's leagues and the men's teams and everything. So I think we need to focus a bit more attention, as you are doing now, around that. But I'm sure, and I'm sure that as long as things resume to normality, whatever that norm, not new normality is. Um, uh, I'm sure that uh, women's football are is going to bounce back quickly. I, of that, and, I'm sure. And I agree with you because the if anyone reflects back on the quality that we saw out of the play in the 2019 World Cup, that's all you really need to look at to know that there's serious quality in the women's game. And this, this of course, unfortunately, will be a setback because I think it's a setback for world football, let alone men or women. Um, but I do think they will bounce back as well because of the quality that they have and that they that they uh, display on the pitch. So, Cecilia, I want to thank you for joining us on the show. Uh, it was absolute pleasure and stay safe. And we hope to speak with you again very, very soon. Thank you so much, Joe and Roberto, for inviting me, for having me. It was an honor for me. It's always wonderful to talk with you about football. Uh, the beautiful game. We miss so much, so we need to do it uh, more often, I think. And and about women's football, we also need to help, you know, be civilized um, the situation now and then help them 
bounce back. So absolutely. And whenever you want, I'm here for you. So thank you once again. And I wish you the best with the show, with the podcast, and also stay safe. (laughs) Thank you. And take care. And special thanks again to Cecilia Lagos for joining us on the show. Rob, without anything left on the uh, on the docket, let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, man, here we go. So, again, for episode 280 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Cecilia Lagos for joining us on the show. Next week, Rob and I will be back again. We're going to bring you another great show. We're going to search for a great guest and bring you all the latest that's going on in the world of football, when leagues will be starting up, what's going on out there, and bring it all to you. So, for episode 280 of Low Limit Football, I'm Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night. Good night.